Hello, and welcome to the Workplace Justice Podcast. This podcast helps to inform and empower you about your rights within the workplace. We cover topics and examples of various matters in employment law, including sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, racial discrimination, how the courts define a hostile work environment, whistleblowing, and everything in between. Workplace Justice is brought to you by the New York City Employment and Civil Rights Law Firm, Nassar Law Group. Here are your hosts, Mahir Nassar, Casey Wolnowski, and Jeffrey Rosenberg. Welcome to the Workplace Justice Podcast. My name is Meyer Nassar, and I am joined with Casey Wolnowski and Jeffrey Rosenberg. Today, we're going to be talking about negotiating your severance. Your severance agreement is an agreement that an employer offers to you when they're looking to separate you from your employment. There are a lot of things that you need to know about this agreement, how it impacts your rights and how it impacts your future employment. So I'm going to talk a little bit about all these different issues alongside with Casey and Jeff. Casey, tell me a little bit about if an employee receives a separation package, a severance agreement, how should they navigate that process? How should they navigate looking at what they've been offered in terms of a monetary amount, the different clauses within the agreement? And what would your recommendations be in terms of advising people about their rights under this agreement before signing it? So there's a few things I would say is number one is anytime anybody receives any kind of severance agreement, it's usually part and parcel of somebody having lost their job, which I know is always a very difficult thing. And there's always a point of unknowing what is going to happen next with one's family, with one's career, where they're going to get money. And I know that a lot of times people are very concerned because now you have job loss, you have a document which was thrown before you, which you have to kind of figure out, well, what do I do? Do I hire an attorney? Do I do this myself? Do I talk to friends? There's a lot of terms and conditions in here that I have to kind of look over. And I know that it's always a very difficult position so people are in. There's two things I think that people need to really focus on, and we can get into the details in a little bit here, but the number one aspect is going to be the monetary component, right? How much money is it that they are offering you for what is, you can call it a severance agreement or a separation agreement. Sometimes they'll call it a termination agreement or even a settlement agreement. Whatever it's called, it's basically the same thing. And you're looking at how much money are they providing you. Now, a lot of employers will have a structure that is handed down from above that they sometimes will determine based on a mathematical formula in terms of X number of weeks or X number of months per years of, of uh, employment with the company. And you'll look at the amount that they're offering you. That's the monetary aspect. And then the second component is the non-monetary aspect. What are the non-monetary components or what are the things that are not related to money that are for which you are going to be bound, right? Is it include a non-compete? Does it include that you can't work at that company or any of its subsidiaries for a period of time? So the non-monetary aspects are, I think, just as important as the monetary aspects. So to answer your question, really the, the first things that you're going to look at is what kind of money are they offering you to release the employer from any and all claims that you may have against them? And then along with that, what are the non-monetary aspects? What are the non-money components for which you are going to be bound if you sign the severance agreement. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people ask me this question, especially when they've been unfortunately let go from their job. Is there a right to receive severance? Yeah. So generally speaking, the answer is no. 
save for some sort of contract or agreement otherwise. Let's say you're a member of a union, and I don't want to dive into questions involving union matters and collective bargaining agreements, but absent some kind of agreement that states upon termination of employment, you will be entitled to X amount of money. The general answer is no. An employer is not obliged to offer you any kind of severance payment whatsoever if you are terminated from your position. The way I like to think about it is it's nothing more than a bargain for contract between two parties. And the employer is saying, you know, basically the employer's main objective is to get the employee to waive all of their legal rights and to release the employer from all potential legal claims that that employee might have. So that's usually, you know, in addition to maybe a non-compete or something like that, that's usually the main uh consideration, the main motivation for an employer, a company to want an employee to sign an agreement. The question is, what's that worth? And if the employee is going to waive their legal rights, what's that worth to them? And how much are they willing to accept in in exchange for that waiver? So it has to be mutually agreed upon between those two parties. And if one party doesn't agree to that, as Casey said, there's no requirement that contract be entered into. So yeah, Jeff, you brought up a great topic. I mean, specifically within the severance, there's obviously a number of provisions that release an employer from situations involving employment-related issues that an employee may have. So for instance, if there are certain legal claims that may exist, such as unlawful discrimination or unlawful retaliation, or other aspects that may come into a contractual aspect within an agreement between the employer and the employee, in that instance, in your opinion, what should an employee do if they're offered a severance in terms of understanding the value of what they're being offered? If they're being offered a certain sum of money and they have certain concerns about the nature of the separation, what should they do about understanding these specific releases that they're essentially entering into as a part of this separation? The first thing they should do is contact an attorney. Like we were just saying, there's no requirement that you're offered a severance to waive your legal rights. The largest and strongest piece of leverage that clients have is the threat of a potential lawsuit, of a potential uh, litigation that can be filed against the company. So if the employee was, let's say, sexually harassed or after consulting with an attorney, we believe that there's something suspicious about the termination and it looks more likely than not that the employee was terminated due to protected traits such as their race or their age or their gender, we can use that as leverage to demand more money. So while the company might only be offering $10,000 for this employee to waive their legal rights and to release them from any of the legal claims that the employee might have, if the employee is ultimately, or we believe that the employee can ultimately collect, let's say, $150,000 due to pervasive sexual harassment that that employee was subjected to, we would just basically go back to the employer and say, listen, our client intends to move forward with her legal claims or his legal claims. And we're reaching out to see if you're interested in trying to resolve this. And our client is willing to sign a release and a a settlement or severance agreement in exchange for 
you paying our client what they're entitled to under the law. Mm -hmm. So if it's uh, an agreement is signed and entered into prior to an employee alleging legal claims, like Casey said, it's usually called a separation agreement or a severance agreement. Once the employee alleges legal claims and threatens litigation, it's usually called and categorized as a settlement agreement. They're identical in nature. The stronger your legal claims are, potential legal claims, the more leverage the employee would have to demand and ultimately negotiate a higher severance pay. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we usually get asked a lot is, let's say, for instance, a potential client has a legal claim against their employer and they're offered a severance or a separation package. At that point, major concern that the employee, the potential client has is if we were to raise this issue with the employer or their representatives, that they may take off what they've offered off the table. They'll take away the severance and the separation if we were to allege unlawful discrimination or retaliation or some other unlawful aspect of their employment. What should we tell people that are in that predicament in terms of what we generally do? Casey, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's always a delicate approach. And, and to answer your question, I think we first have to take a step back and say, if somebody comes to our office, or I think if somebody goes to any employment attorney's office and says, I've been offered a severance agreement, I want to know if I should take it. One of the first questions that I ask them is going to be uh, along the lines of the circumstances of their termination. right? Because I'm going to want to find out if this was a downsizing, if this was you know, let's say, for example, they're offering money because this person just wasn't a good employee. Or on the other hand, if this has something that might violate any kind of the employment laws that exist either in New York State or in the United States. So if I've concluded that there may be a bona fide and legitimate legal claim, and if this is something that a person wants to pursue, right, if whether that be to pursue a lawsuit or whether it be to pursue enhancement of the severance agreement, I'm going to communicate with the company, with the employer, and then I'm going to uh, outline what it is that we believe was unfair, unlawful, and send it to them and then wait to hear back. Now, one of the circumstances, as you had mentioned, Meyer, if somebody had contacts me from the employer and says, you claim that we fired Mrs. So-and-so, you know, I'm making this up, because she was pregnant. Well, we didn't do that. And because you have accused us of this, we're going to take the money that we offered off the table the employer needs to be very careful about engaging in that action. The reason is because I think you could potentially make an argument that it was done in retaliation, right? But for the fact that we had complained about this and said that what happened to her was unfair, was unlawful, that for us doing that, you wouldn't have taken the money off the table. So employers need to be very, very careful of that. And I'm not saying as a blanket rule that that's the circumstance, but I think employers need to be very mindful of that that if they choose to withdraw money or rescind money, that that could be seen as retaliatory. Again, it's not a blanket rule, but certainly could be argued as such. And if that's the case, then you know perhaps they have bigger problems than had they just listened to what the lawyer had to say and, and attempted to resolve it from there. Just to clarify a little bit, I'm assuming you're talking about raising claims of discrimination and retaliation or sexual harassment because other concerns that the employee might have that an attorney might raise, the majority of them would not be protected against retaliation, right? So I think we should be clear that when you're talking about uh, raising issues and, and making allegations, we're talking specifically about discrimination and retaliation. 
That's correct. And I try to use the pregnancy example as, as just sort of illustrative of a larger concept that in order for it to be a protected activity, which we in the legal world use, it's a term of art, so to speak, is that in order for there be able to be unlawful retaliation, it would have to be allegations that their actions, that the employer's actions violated one of the recognized employment law statutes. In other words, if we sent a letter that said other people got more money because they had been there longer, right, or other people had received more money and she wants the same amount and that's not fair, and they said, well, forget it, we're just not going to give you any more money, that probably wouldn't be against the law. So, but yes, Jeff is 100% accurate. It'd have to be so, uh, the allegations that the actions violated one of the legally recognized employment discrimination statutes. So there's many circumstances that an employee reaches out to us for in terms of they've received a severance agreement. They're also very concerned sometimes about if they don't have any underlying legal claims, and obviously once we've had a chance to speak with them and we determine perhaps they are, there are no legal claims, but they've been offered a sum of money. In certain instances, what are your thoughts about negotiating what has been offered to them in light of the fact that perhaps there is very little or no leverage in getting an employer to enhance the severance. What process or, I guess, advice would you give someone who reaches out that says, listen, I've been working for this employer for the last 20 years. They've offered me a severance of two weeks. What do you think would be a good, what kind of advice would you give someone in that situation? So, if somebody comes to me and wants to talk about a severance that they've been offered and it's been concluded that the employer didn't do anything wrong, right? That the employer didn't do anything unlawful. Nevertheless, I have always found a way with agreements, severance agreements that are offered to, I guess, determine that there are some aspects which I think are maybe slanted or weighted towards the employer, right? I think an attorney once told me, a very wise attorney much older than me says, I've never read a case that I couldn't find something to distinguish, meaning that I couldn't find, there was never a case that I couldn't distinguish in some way, shape or form to either say it relates to my argument or doesn't relate to my argument. And here's why. So I think every severance agreement has something that the employee can enhance in one way, shape or form. So I always think it's useful to reach out to the employer to at least engage in a dialogue to try to do that. What people don't realize is oftentimes, right? I would say greater than 50% of the times that people come to us who have absolutely no legal claims whatsoever, we're able to enhance their agreement because the employer kind of anticipates that a severance agreement that is given, that the employee is going to come back and say, I want more. So they kind of build into it and they say, well, we know that they're going to come back asking for more. So if we figure that the maximum we're about to, we're going to pay them is, let's say, four weeks of severance, if we offer them two weeks and they come back and they say, I want more, okay, we'll give them the four weeks we we're going to offer them originally. They feel better. We feel better that we gave them more money. We didn't actually pay more than we were going to originally going to pay. And if they don't come back at all, we've actually saved money. Also, you'd be surprised at how many times and how many industries that they are willing to enhance severance agreements significantly. And a lot of times they're willing to enhance non-monetary components of it as well. We've had a lot of clients who've come to us who have said this non-compete, which I entered into and which I know exists, is actually not fair. I don't like it. I'm trying to get another job. And the non-compete that I signed when I started working there, let's say five years ago, now is going to bar me from working in the industry for six months or one year. A lot of times we're able to go back to them and say, this is going to be overly restrictive. We talk to the employer and say, this is overly restrictive. We're going to challenge this. We're going to consider pursuing this in court. 
to try to get a declaratory judgment. Basically, the court gives a directive that says that this is not enforceable. A lot of times the employer will then fold pretty quickly. They don't want to fight that. They don't want to be in a position where they're legally taking the the platform that we're going to prevent people from working. We laid them off and now they're out of work and we're going to fight them on them trying to get another job. Employers don't want to do that. It's kind of a bad look for them. Not to mention, a lot of times courts are very sympathetic towards people who lose their jobs. So not only that, but enhancement of the non-monetary aspects is that we can say, well, look, we have a 12-month non-compete. We're willing to take it down to six months. But if we take it down to six months, you're going to have to throw in some money, some severance money, because this person is going to be out of work. So we, we want six months of, of salary. The company might hum and haw and say, well, we won't do that, but we can take it down to six months. Non-compete will give you three months salary. Well, three months salary for some people could be a lot of money. So there's always ways that you can try to enhance or modify uh, severance agreements. And what I've found is employers are actually very willing to engage in dialogue. Now, sometimes you'll have employers that say, look, this is what we're going to offer. This is all we're going to pay. We're not budging. We don't change our language. Take it or leave it. Yes, you do get that. But contrary to what people believe, that's actually like in the stark minority. Most employers have some level of willingness to talk about severance agreements and, and how they can be modified. I think another concern that just popped into my head were references, letters of recommendation, and how the termination and the, the end of this job is going to affect their ability to get a, a new job and a job in the future. And usually the language of those references in terms of whether it's a positive reference or a neutral reference will all be agreed upon and laid out within the, the severance agreement. So it provides a lot of peace of mind to employees who are nervous and have hesitation about giving future employer the contact info of their former employer because they're very nervous about what that former employer is going to say. So it, it provides a lot of peace of mind when you know exactly what the employer is going to say in response to a potential employment inquiry. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another aspect in this whole process, and this is something that we've been seeing for as of recent, and not as much, but it certainly is out there. A lot of times people reach out to us and say, listen, I've been offered a severance agreement, and my employer is telling me I need to return this back within four days, two days, three days. They've given us a severance, and we don't have enough time to review this agreement. I don't know what to do. I don't want to not take it. I'm stuck. They're giving me a short deadline to return it back and sign it. I'm feeling pressured. What does one do in that circumstance? Again, I don't mean to sound like a cynic. I think everyone knows what kind of side I've fallen on this, but the employer wants to give you a severance agreement, which they've written, which has been reviewed by their attorneys, and which is going to be more or less favorable towards them, potentially even stacked language-wise towards them. That's going to have you waive your rights and have it be very protective of them and want to give you as little money as possible. I'm sorry, but that, I don't mean to be cynical, but that's just the reality most of the time. It's called business. Yeah. So one thing in New York State, at least is that whenever a severance agreement includes the release and the waiver of the ability to bring any claims under the New York State Human Rights Law, which is, again, very, very common that these severance agreements are going to include that, that there is a mandatory non-waivable 21-day consideration period. So in other words, if you receive a severance agreement, which has a waiver of claims under the New York State Human Rights Law, from the date that you receive it, you are not allowed to sign it before 21 days. You have to take that 21-day period of consideration. 
So a lot of employers don't really know that, which kind of surprises me because... It's Even just, if there's no uh, confidentiality? Well, if that's, and that's the next thing I was going to get to. If there's no confidentiality, which means that if they don't have any component that states you can't talk about the amount you received, then yes, you can sign it before then. But most do. Most have a confidentiality component which says that we don't want you talking about the amount of money you received. If that is in fact the circumstance, then you're required to consider the document for 21 days. Now, what I also tell people is when they get thrown a, a severance agreement and they say you have five days or four days or whatever. Well, the same thing applies for if you're over 40 right. and you're waiving your rights under federal law. That's correct. Yes. I tell people always is that ask the employer if, for a little bit more time right off the bat. Say, I'm going to need another week. I always tell people, talk to HR or talk to whoever gave it to you and say, I need to speak with my family about this. Like This is something we have to make a family decision on. I, I think most employers are actually pretty willing to give more time. I mean, they don't want to have people that are you know, upset and then run to attorneys because they don't know what to do. So I think the first step would be to just talk to the employer and, and ask for more time. And, and most of the time, they're, they're willing to do that. Yes. So this covers all of our topic in terms of severance negotiation for today. We want to thank you for listening to the Workplace Justice Podcast on negotiating your severance. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us on our phone number, 212-600-9534. Thank you, Casey and Jeff, for giving us all this insightful information on how you can negotiate your severance. Take care. Thanks for joining us today on the Workplace Justice Podcast. Love this episode? Leave us a review and tell us what you think about our show. If you haven't subscribed yet, head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss a new episode. Need help? Talk to an employment lawyer today. Visit our website at nisarlaw.com or call 212-600-9534 for your free case evaluation. See you in the next episode.